0: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran.
1: The Buffalo Sabres begin their season in just a couple nights from now. And uh, consider this, your Talking Buffalo Buffalo Sabres preview. Also going to be talking Buffalo Bills today. Welcome to Talking Buffalo. Uh, You're weekday daily driver for Buffalo sports talk and more. I am Patrick Moran. Thank you as always for locking in, whether you're watching this, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, I appreciate you all kind of like a mini residency. I've had going on with Joe. Yerdin here over the last few weeks. He's been joining me for okay. these Tuesday shows, getting ready to uh, get this season started. Of course, Joe uh, author and creator of noted hockey co-host of the maintenance day podcast alongside Lance Lazowski. Bleach your report. I could keep going on and on and on. But anyway, good time for you. Obviously, an exciting time. The season's about to get cooking. Uh, first of all, how you doing? And secondly, we're gonna save the Sabres talk for a few minutes because I also want right. to talk a little bit of football. But what's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? It's a big week. It is, it's a huge week. Um, I'm
2: doing good. It's been uh it's been fun. It's been, you know, business is picking up, so that's good. Uh finally you're done with the stinking preseason games. Jesus, I watching that one the other night I was like I don't care man like the results don't matter just nobody get hurt and you know Penguins Penguins played it like it was uh, like you know that kid in gym class that tries too hard ha, picture, yeah. picture, picture 20 of them going up against the, the Sabres being like hey man like we don't have another game for a week bro like just chill out <laughs> Penguins are like we have a game in four days go to hell so you know it was like one of those, one of those nights and all of us are just like is this done? Can we just be done? So now, <laughs> so now it is done. So now we got regular season coming. So it's, uh, we're good. We're, we're pumped up.
1: And I got to be honest with you, man. I am very much excited. I was borderline excited last year. I'm pretty mm-hmm. much, I'm all in excited uh, for this season. i we're going to talk Sabres here in just a few minutes. Uh, a lot to get to. Like I said, kind of a, a Sabres season preview. I know you're going to do, be doing something with Lance. I'm sure that'll be really cool um, this week. For that, though, you know what? Even before we get to the Bills, people who, you know, every now and then, Joe, you know, we get some new followers, new subscribers, people who are new to this podcast. So you might have done this show with me a million times, but for some people, this may be their first. So I feel like a broken record by saying this. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to say it again. Um, Joe Yurdin is a Buffalo Bills watcher. He's not a Buffalo Bills fan. So when I talk to mm-hmm. him about the Bills, He's going to give me objective, honest opinions, not necessarily slanted towards uh, the opinion of a fan. And, of course, on the hockey side, you quite literally cover the team. So that goes without saying. But what you are, let's start here, man. I spend at least even just two, three minutes talking about this topic right now. What you are a fan of are uh, the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to tell you, man, Mm -hmm. this team, and I've been telling you this before the season started, dude. This team is good. They are 4-1. Um, and to me, in my opinion, Joe, right now, I think they clearly are the third best team in, uh, in the NFC. I mean, you gotta go, I think you gotta go Frisco Mm -hmm. and I didn't, I think you gotta go Philly one or two, whatever way you want to put that. But I'm telling you, man, I think Detroit might be the third best team in the NFC. In fact, I'm pretty confident, uh, that they are top to bottom, a really good roster. And I mean, they rolled Carolina on Sunday and. It's your team, man. So I'm gonna throw yeah. some flowers your way right off the bat. Uh, they're fun. I like where the Detroit Lions are at. I would even argue that are they better than the Buffalo Bills on paper? No. Wow, but funny. I would argue that I, <laughs> I would I would argue that maybe right now and I have put money on one of these two teams going further, it might be Detroit, man. I know it's gotta be a good time for you, man, with them. It's uh it's, it's,
2: it's, it's an adjustment period is what it is. Cause, uh, even last season, like they were so fun at the end of last season, but remember they started one and seven yeah. last year, like oh, that, yeah, that, I mean. that, 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 that kind of kneecapped any sort of joy that you could take away from it. Cause it's like, yeah, they're playing awesome, but boy, they stung up the house. The first half of the season, they could have been, they could have been rolling into the playoffs, but they would they didn't, but you know, lesson learned, um, they're fun as hell to watch, man. That's, I think, I I think I said we were, I was talking with uh, Paul Hamilton today about football because he was, he was remarking over one of the trick plays that they ran in the game against Carolina, uh, talking about that one. And, and I go, I go, Paul, I go, the biggest thing for me is that they're enjoyable to watch. It's like, they can lose games and like, that would drive me crazy, but they're fun. Like they're not grinding games out, boring style. They're just, just kind of going about their business and they pull a, you know, pull a rabbit out of their hat every, you know, every, every 10 players or so. And you're like, how'd that come from? Like, okay. But I mean, yesterday's game was like a circus. I mean, you had the, you had Hutchinson intercepting a screen pass yeah. first off, like just one hand, one hand catching a screen pass, you know, breaking through the line. Like, okay. Um, my it, preseason it, it, defensive MVP pick,
1: by the way. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Hey,
2: looking pretty good right now. I'll say yeah. that. he's He's been awesome. Um, the play uh, Paul and I got talking about was uh, the the trick play where they were running. I forget what down it was, but, um, you know, Goff is standing on, you know, stand under center, but like standing there, like just pointing out, doing all this, but he's got, he's standing there really wide, which looks kind of weird. Cause you're like, well, that's, that's a little weird. Next thing you know, they snapped it right back to Montgomery, and Montgomery takes off up the yeah. left side for 10 yards and gets a first down out of it. And everybody's like, the hell's that play? And I'm like, who cares what it was? That was awesome, is what it was. And then, yeah. for what the, the second time in three weeks, three, four weeks, they've done a flea flicker that went for a touchdown. This yeah. one was a wide receiver reverse, like <laughs> took off for a touchdown. Like, what are you, what? Like, okay, like, uh, listen. It's nice to have a team that's fun to watch. Bill's fans can identify with this greatly because, you know, for so long, they were just a joyless husk to, you know, to watch March up and down the field. But, but I mean, geez, you know, as crazy as the Seattle loss left me, like they're fun as hell to watch. And like, you know, they crushed Carolina. Like that's not even a close game and they're taking care of business. And it's weird to say, it's weird to point it out, but they look damn good. And you know, it just kind of stinks seeing the Eagles being five and zero, and the Niners are five and zero, and you're like, well, whatever. Take care of your own business, win the division, and see where it goes from there.
1: Sure, I, would it be fair to say two different sports, but kind of the same because Detroit was fun last year. Didn't make the playoffs, though. The Buffalo Sabers were the Buffalo just, missed. Fun. The Buffalo just yeah. missed. The Buffalo Sabers were fun last year. Didn't just make missed. the playoffs, mm-hmm. just missed. Fun yeah. to watch. Kind of like a parallel between. Those two teams, but, the Detroit Lions and the Buffalo Sabres, right now. I kind of sense that a little bit. Yeah,
2: it's 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 weird to have you know my chocolate mixed with my peanut butter like that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very it's very it's very it's very funny, but it feels like it's prepared me for for you know for what it's like to to keep up with the Sabres team. Like watching the Sabres do what they did last year, where it was just a scoring bonanza all the time. And yeah, there was frustrations and you know bad losing streaks and whatnot. But it came down to it, they were playing pretty well. You know, you know, end of the season they you know, they pushed. I mean, they were it looked like they were going to limp into the last few weeks of the season, and then nope, snapped out of it. Devin Levi, well, Devin Levi showed up as the thing, and then suddenly it was like, oh wait, we can, we might be able to get get in the playoffs here. Let's do this. And oh, yeah. you know, you can go back and nitpick different games and say, well, I should have won this one, should have won that. I was doing the same damn thing with the Lions last year, and sure. it, you know. Fortunately, all it took was one game for me to go back to and it was them losing to Seattle who beat them out in the tiebreaker to get into the playoff. Like, you know, it was right. easy. Just beat, if you beat Seattle in week four, you win. Like, you know, whatever. That's why that's why I'm extra annoyed that they lost to him again this year. I'm like, no, take it out on them, man. Like that's they went into the playoffs and stunk ass. And everybody's like, Boy, I wish Detroit was here. And then they weren't. Everybody was like, Boy, these playoffs kind of suck. Yeah. Y- yeah. The fun team wasn't there. Like Sabres. I mean, listen, the Panthers went on a crazy run. In the Stanley, you know, to the Stanley Cup final last year. So you couldn't really say the same thing with the Stanley Cup playoffs, but still, you know, imagine how much more fun it would have been to have, you know, Florida, you know, or Buffalo, Toronto, or Buffalo, Boston in the first round. Oh, yeah. yeah
1: Jeez, for God. sure, man. And, and, the, and the fun thing about Detroit this past week, and granted, they were playing Carolina, but still at the end of the day, no Armored St. Brown, their best receiver by far, yeah. no uh, Jameer Gibbs. Nope. Uh, Jameson Williams was on like a pitch count in his first game back, yeah. and it was like, no you had three targets,
2: man. I think. I saw like two catches for like six yards yeah, or something. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. So
1: I don't know, man. They're, they're they're fun to watch, and and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm rooting for the Lions too. I told you, they kind of like become like my de facto uh, NFC team. It's,
2: it's a funny. It's like a Great Lakes Alliance with you know with Buffalo and well, <laughs> Cleveland. Kind of ruined it by getting Watson. So like that's right. kind of thrown out of it. But you know, for you know, and it helps that they're in the other conference. So it's kind of like you can feel good about rooting for them. It's just you know when they face each other, if they ever face each other, it's like. Well, we know where our loyalties lie here, but kind of cool to see him be fun, kind of be cool to see him make the playoffs and maybe get hot. Who knows? Because there's a lot of NFC teams that just suck ass out loud, and you're just like, boy, I hope they don't do anything. (laughs) They don't don't do anything. You know, watching San Francisco punk out Dallas uh, Sunday night was pretty good because Dallas is. Your, cover your ears, Pat. Dallas, the Cowboys are the Notre Dame of, of the NFL mm. because it's just, it's all hype. It's all people pumping their
1: tires that's for
2: the season. And then they, you know, lose to Louisville, you know, like that's
1: how it goes. I I, I hate the comparison. I hate you saying that, but <laughs> I admit that you're 100% right, man. It, that is <laughs> That is what it is. Anyway, long as injuries don't send the Lions, you know, off the rails, yeah. I think they're good. And that kind of is a, A segue before we talk Sabres, I want to talk Buffalo Bills here for a handful of minutes as well. We'll get actually we'll get to the season like potential season derailing injuries here in a few. Mm -hmm. I want to start with. A complaint, and I think this is warranted. (laughs) No, I I do think this is warranted, man. And I listen, Mm -hmm. listen, I fucking hate more than anything in the world. Excuse makers. And there's always a reason when the Bills lose, you know, the leagues against them. Blah, blah, blah. The, the officials suck. Just go on and on and on and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. But I'm going to tell you, this whole London thing was wrong. And let me put up a quote. This is not okay. a Buffalo Bill complaining. This is not a shithead podcaster like me or uh, an angry, unreasonable Bills fan complaining, man. This was mm-hmm. the star of the football game on Sunday. Travis ATN speaking to the media to pro football talk. After the game in the locker room, this is what he said, straight up, word for word. I felt like it really created a great edge for us. Running back Travis Etienne told Pro Football Talk, just knowing how I felt last Sunday in the Falcons game, the first game that we had out here and having the whole week out here, just being able to get our bodies adjusted and not having to have that jet lag on us throughout the game. I felt like it played a huge part. So that's the Jacksonville running backs talking about what an advantage it was for Jacksonville to be there all week, having their legs under them while the bills, which in hindsight was a terrible decision. I think to fly out, wait till Friday morning, Mm -hmm. that Baltimore is playing in London this week. They're leaving on Monday as we're recording this. They're already headed out to London. I think the Bills should have did that in hindsight. That said, regardless um, he talked about that, that Atlanta game because Jacksonville has been there and it was the first team ever to play in London back-to-back weeks, by the way, mm-hmm. he talked about the difference in how he felt or how they felt physically that first week as opposed to the second week. So that's kind of where I want to start this is I think it is a legitimate gripe right now that the bills have with the NFL. And I don't think you're going to see this again, going forward either, because this was a legitimate straight up competitive advantage to Jack small. Am I saying it's the only reason why the bills lost the game? Cause then that would just be, you know, um, making sure that they don't have any accountability. They have plenty mm-hmm. of accountability, but right. this is a very valid, 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 in my opinion, uh, excuse. How do you feel about that? Yeah.
2: I mean, it was definitely odd seeing that they were playing back to back weeks. I'm like, well, that's a, that's an advantage because that, just flying over. There's a big adjustment, you know, it's sure. Um, you know, the, the, there's the time difference because what is it, five, six hours? Six hours, probably? five, five, five to six hours
1: is one of the two. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's yeah, it depends on what our stupid clocks are doing, but um, mm-hmm. but it's, I mean, it's definitely a change, and it's, you know, uh, it's comparable to you know, if you know, if if an East team was gonna fly to the West Coast two weeks in a row, because then you got to decide like, well, we're just staying out there, we got to go home, like, you know, how you got to do this? Because you're just thinking like, well, it's you know, coast to coast is easier. It's definitely harder going going out to England, and the the, the th- I mean, you know, but I, I look at it this way: it's not the first time the Bills have been there either, you know. But it is adv- it is an advantage for the team that's you know that's been there for two weeks. Now, I did I, I think I heard a story that uh, because the Bills were the home team, they they got the they got the pick where they stayed in London. Yeah, so they, they, they
1: would sit at the hotel that they kicked they, Jackson out of their hotel. They kicked Jackson out. which I'm just kind of like. Petty. Of, I like it. I like Petty. I'm a petty. I mean, guy. Yeah,
2: and it's gamesmanship. So, like, whatever. It's you know, it's like, hey, that we're the home team, that's our place. We're not gonna stay at the comfort in of London, you know, like you know, for you, man. Like stay where we want to where we're supposed to stay. So I get that, but like, you know, if but if you've been there and you've adjusted to the time and, and everything, like cool, but I know who I'm you know, if Jacksonville's playing this week, I know who I'm betting against. <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. they're, they're not they're not in London anymore. Like, yeah, okay, they've been kicking it there for two weeks. I'm I'm gonna I mean, I don't, I don't really bet it ever, but like, I don't know, might, might be, might be a juicy one to bet against Jacksonville, but it's definitely advantage. Uh, You you can't say it's not advantage, but you know the bills shot themselves in the foot by treating it as like a weekend, weekend treat, you know, treat away for, you know, you know, hit the resort and spend a couple days and, you know, come home with a W like it ain't that easy, man. You know, it's, it's such a, the prep that goes into like having to fly over there and like, you know, trying to get yourself on the schedule just to, to do it. Because if you're treating it like you're still, you know, if you're trying to like not adjust to the time your body's thinking it's nine 30 in the morning, like eight, you know, it's probably like eight 30 by the time you start doing warmups, like you don't do stuff like that all season, long. you know, maybe training camp, like that's it, but it's a little bit, it's, I don't know. It's it. (laughs) It troubles me because like there's a ton of people and like the sports science staff that like you could talk to to be like, maybe we should do it a couple of days early. Like, you know, why are we why are we treating this like a weekend
1: jaunt? Like, it's not. I feel like and I know this is very Buffalo. Woe is me, but it's almost like the Bills. Bad shit has to happen to the Bills before the league actually changes shit. <laughs> and does something about it. I think back to a couple of years ago, one of the greatest playoff football games ever played. Josh Allen no. versus Pat Mahomes and the Bills never touch the ball in, in overtime. And the rule gets changed after that game, after the fact. I'm pretty confident going forward you will not see Jacksonville or any team get to spend two straight weeks in London while another team only gets one, just because I do think it's a legitimate uh, competitive advantage, for sure.
2: Do you want to be that team, though? Do you want to be the team that's always like, you know, the whiny, like, yeah, we got screwed, change the rules. And then people are like, all right, fine. If you're going to shut up, we'll change the rules, just... Agreed. Stuff, stuff whiny. It's kind of around. Like you know, don't. It can I mean, come yes, off. It's a competitive whiny. advantage, but like I'm whining right you now. Know it. Like, but that's the thing. Like the schedule comes out in what July, June, July, whatever. Or the draft. Sure, they should have went know, going into it. You know it. You know that they're already there. Like, I'll you
1: know, find ways to mitigate that advantage. I guess that, that's, that's my view. Jay Skurski earlier last week or sometime last week, I should say, wrote a, a good article in the Buffalo news talking about the sports science behind their decision to come later in the week mm. and this and that good article, good read, lots of sure. good information, but they were wrong straight up. They should have mm. went on Monday and by Wednesday, maybe they're, they're a little more acclimated. I thought that was definitely uh, the wrong decision. So yeah, you could blame it. I still say it's an unfair competitive advantage to Jacksonville. It is. That said, kind of leading to my second point, Joe, uh, the coaching, you know, this this was a team that came out, especially in the first half, just a, a lack of energy and mm-hmm. a lack of intensity until, quite frankly, it was pretty much uh, it was too late. So mm-hmm. they, they weren't ready to play this game. It, it, you could just tell. I mean, you could see. I mean, you don't have to be an expert if you watch the game. If you got up early Sunday and you watched that game, mm-hmm. Jacksonville just had a lot more intensity yep. and a lot more energy than the Buffalo Bills did, especially – I mean, the Bills didn't even score until the last minute of the first half. Yeah. I mean, that's just not this offense. I I thought the coaching was lousy. I, I thought Ken Dorsey w- was lousy. Um, I'm looking at, and we're recording this Monday mid-afternoon. So stats, advanced stats are starting to come in, graphs, charts, and I'm starting to look at them, and the Bills did not work the middle of the field whatsoever. Like everything Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs who were both very good. All their success was on the outside. Um The tight ends, again, just shit. It was such a big narrative going into the season, man. There's two tight end sets and Kincaid being a first-round rookie and Dawson Knox, blah, blah, blah. They're just, It's not working. 28 Mm -hmm. catches, five games this year, Joe. 28 catches for 193 yards and one touchdown. That's both tight ends combined right now through five games. That's not good. Dawson Mm -hmm. Knox is having the worst season since his rookie year. Dalton Kincaid has not been a real factor. The Bills just didn't use the middle of the field. They didn't run the ball up the middle. No, they kind of gave up. Now, to be fair, the offensive line sucked too. So, you know, you, you know, you get you know, sometimes you might argue, and you know this. What is it called? It's not the X's and O's. It's the Johnnies and the Joes. Yeah, to an extent. To an extent. But man, I just this team didn't really look ready to play. And schematically, I don't like anything about this game. Coaching matters. It 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 a hundred percent matters. And I, I guess the, the the thing that
2: gets me though is that it a lot of how that game played out reminded me a little bit too much of the, the playoff game with Cincinnati where it was like, you know, it's yeah. like, granted this is not it, but let's make this clear, not a playoff game. Not, you know, not, you mm-hmm. know, no stakes on the line. No, you know, it's just, it's a game in England, like, okay, whatever. And it's against a team that you're you're favorite against. You should beat them, but you know it's a big event game. You know, there's more eyes on it. Obviously it's a big deal in England. It's, a, you know, it's, yeah, every Bills game is a big deal in Buffalo. Let's be real. But, sure. um, but it's, but it's, but all, you know, if you're watching football on Sunday and you're like, oh, cool. We get a, we get to start watching a game at nine 30 in the morning. Great. All day football. Love this. You got a lot of people watching still, but you know, it's, you know, you come out flat like that and everybody's like, this is the team that kicked the dolphins right in the ass, like all over the yeah. place. Like where's that team? And it's, it's almost like it's a, a reverse trap game. Like they got so up for the game that they had to, you know, had to beat Miami had to, you know, want to flex on and want to do all that. And they took care of business and they're like, ah, phew, got that out of the way. Thank goodness. We took care of business. We're good now. Everything's square. And then you, you, know, you hop over to England and Jacksonville's just waiting for you. And, you know, whoops, yeah, it's, you know, things go sideways. And, you know, there was a hundred other things that happened wrong, obviously. And, It's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, and listen, I get it. Um, McDermott hates getting questioned. He hates it, hates it. Like, nobody. every coach hates getting questioned, period. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta eat it. And there's a lot for McDermott to have to to chew on after this one, Dorsey too. But, you know, it's um, not a great, it's not a great you know no loss is great but this is this is one where you're just kind of left asking like the hell's the real team here who's the, who's the real bills because I mean you know if we want to go through the wins you know Miami wins a great win uh Oakland win yeah you had to you had to win that one the Washington win doesn't look quite so shiny after you see the freaking bears put 40 on them so yeah. like well, maybe Washington stinks too so um it it's it, it's a constant reassessment that like you gotta do but I don't know, man. I just remember a few years ago, the Bills seemed to be the team that loved reading their own headlines and getting high off of that, and being like, "We're the best. Nobody's gonna beat us." And then somebody hits them in the mouth, they're like, "Hey, wait a minute. We're the best. You can't be the best." <laughs> you know, and, and it's 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 this kind of reaction where it's like, "Well, we just." put 40 at Miami. I mean, what the hell, man? I thought we were good. And yeah, oh, no, everybody's coming for you when you're one of the best.
1: It's been the problem now for a couple of years. They're front running. They're a front running team that just gets out and puts the foot on the gas and curb stomp seems they're supposed to beat. And then teams that physically match them, they, uh, they just tend to struggle with this happened with Jacksonville a couple of years ago. Now this is a good Jacksonville team Whereas a couple of years ago. Jacksonville suck, which made that a lot uglier. And look, I don't even care about the loss as a fan. I, I truly don't. Um, and I'm also making up excuses. I already talked about the travel, and I'm not going to sit here and, and say that the injuries didn't matter because they definitely matter. Daquan Jones, mm-hmm. third play of the game. Daquan Jones, who to me, and I've made his argument last week with Aaron Quinn, he could be your defensive MVP after the first four games. That's what I said. Yep. Third play of the game, he makes a stop. He stopped the first down, forced a punt. Probably, as we're taping this, it's not official, but it looks like he might have torn his peck, which is obviously mm-hmm. not good. Then the second drive. Matt Milano is done for the season. Yeah. Probably their most irreplaceable player be, besides uh, Josh Allen on this football team, quite frankly, maybe you can make an argument for Stefan Diggs, but that's it. And they lose both their guys on the first two defensive series of the game. And then the week before they lose Trey white for the season. That is derailing. That is season altering. um, Mm-hmm. three and two. If you would have told, if we had this conversation five weeks ago, I said, yeah, the bill's going to be three and two. I'm like, okay. I'll take it. Okay. But you'd probably be unhappy about it. You'd, you'd be like, I okay. Yeah. 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 Whatever. I wouldn't be happy. I, I wouldn't be happy. It's the but playoffs will be fine. Like whatever. Yeah. Like when you got Trey white, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, I, I feel good about the team and they're, they're going to rally around. They'll be just fine. But those are not replaceable guys. Again, no. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Matt Milano, Trey White, maybe Deion Dawkins because he plays left tackle and the Bills are thin there. Those are your five most irreplaceable players on the team. And you just lost two of them already for the season. And Daquan Jones is ranked pretty high. He's certainly in the top seven or eight. And it's he's gone, awesome. probably, he might be gone too. So this is just, this is season derailing. is devastating. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm speaking too much, you know, I don't think I'm exaggerating too much when I say the Bills' realistic Super Bowl chances as they stand right now today. Are almost gone. I think they're almost gone. Brandon Bean could do some stuff. You know, they can make some trades. Don't mm-hmm. even start on Kyrie Elam, by the way, who who's had to start because Christian Benford, another big injury, yep. didn't play on Sunday. And he, I mean, Kyrie Elam just got flat out exposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight targets, six catches allowed for like, like 93 yards or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this seems in a world of trouble. Brandon Bean, I know it sounds like very Madden video game like he's right. got to make a couple trades he's got to find a corner and he better right. find a linebacker because Tyrell Dodson looked pretty good on Sunday but he ain't it man you're not right. beating Joe Burrow you're not beating Pat Mahomes with guys like Kyrie Elam and guys like Dorian Williams or, or Tyrell Dodson in your starting lineup you're just mm-hmm. not it's not going to happen
2: here's here's the thing that's going to get me though is they're playing the Giants next right Sunday night game Giants are awful and oh they're, yeah, they're next to the Giants into the turf, and everybody's going to be like, ah, <laughs> "No worries, we got it, we're all set." And then, and then they they played the Patriots pushing, pushing on the road. the cart down the road, and then it's like, "Uh oh, oh yeah." Well, you play the Patriots next, who are in shambles. So and then yeah. and, and then
1: Tampa at home. So their next three games are chumpy teams, man. Yeah. Well, Tampa's not a chump team, but they're close to a chump team. They're,
2: yeah, the, any of their wins are kind of fake, but you know it's. You know, you can write, you can write things now. And like, I mean, it, it, that's the schedule. You got to take care of it. Like beat, beat them up, do whatever, but do it knowing that you have big problems and you've got some serious things to address because if Daniel Jones starts carving you up or Baker Mayfield starts to pick your part or like any, you know, any of these or God help you. If Mac Jones writes, you know, gets his head on straight against the bills, Jesus, like people are going to lose their goddamn minds around here about it. They're, they're not losing to the Giants. I'm not going to spend no. It half should, a they, they shouldn't lose the I, any three of those. it's no, it be hard. But like they sh- can't you're not losing the Giants, You're not losing the Patriots. I don't, I, I don't
1: I, care about Belichick. Whatever, just you're not doing it. I can't get over losing Matt Milano for the season. Horrible. It, it just he's played it, it, it is. <laughs> he is literally he's one he's one of the best three linebackers I think in the NFL. Yeah, he's, he's an all pro. I mean, that's not you or I saying it. That's the league yeah. saying it. He was on he was a first team all pro last year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's um. You you just it's hard, man. I'm not gonna say it's impossible, yeah. but you don't come back from those type of injuries. Not when you lose your number one corner, who was playing good? I know a lot of people pointing to last year, saying the oh, they did last year without Trey White too, and they went thirteen and three. I get it, man? I do. But then you lose Milano too, and you lose Daquan Jones, and oh, God, Greg Rizzo might be out for multiple weeks with the foot injury. It's just. Yeah. The shit is just adding up, and it sucks because the first three weeks the Bills had really good injury fortune. Then Jordan Poyer misses the Miami game. Then Rizzo and Benford miss this game. Now Milano is done. Daquan Jones is done. Trey White or might be done. Trey White is done. It's just a lot. Let me do yeah. something. I want to get your reaction from this kind of. It's, it's about a two minute or so clip okay. from yesterday's show. Uh, my, my guest, my my friend, Tone Bucks. Who is such? If you think me or Nate Gary is an overreactor, a knee-jerk reactor, and a hothead, you got to hear this take. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on it. First, he's talking about Kyrie. Lam after that, not even what he did on, during the game, but more so after the game, mm-hmm. maybe a tiny bit controversial. I don't think so. I'm playing it regardless. And then he has a a take about uh the C. He thinks Tom Bucks thinks the Bills' Super Bowl season is over. He already thinks it's over after wow. week five. He does. Let me play torture. without. Let me play the video, okay. and then I want to come back and get your reaction from it. Here it is.
3: What a disaster of a day! Yeah, what was. a disaster of a day! It, it was a disaster of the day all around. A disaster in this city. Can I complain about his postseason co- or his his uh, post game comments? Oh, I well, go ahead. Well, I just you know, he, he said. And I understand he's probably hurting man, all right and I, I and I don't poke fun at people's faith, all right. I may not be a man of faith, but I you know what I mean, but don't invoke God after you just played a shitty football game, okay? I mean, God has a plan for you because he just fucking let up 10 receptions for 120 yards. You know who I need to have a fucking plan for Kyrie Elam. It's not God. It's Brandon Bean, okay? I, I'm sorry. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And Again, again, I don't poke fun at anybody's face, all right? I, I understand. But don't, you know, I had no use for, for his post-game comments. Just own up to playing a shitty fucking football game
1: already. So before we go, I'm going to give you one opportunity to either further cement what you've been saying a lot during this podcast or maybe walk it back to some extent anyway and knowing you like i have for well over half your life you are very uh as am i i I think you're a knee-jerk reactor um a bit of a hothead at times so i I sit here and ask you on this podcast you confidently can sit here and say today that you genuinely feel like the Bills' Super Bowl legitimate, realistic Super Bowl aspirations came to an end with this loss today.
3: Yeah, I'm not walking that back. No, no chance.
1: Not there, man. I'm not there because I believe that Brandon Bean's going to do something. That, I will say that's the only thing because I don't think Matt Milano is replaceable. Just like Trey White's not. I just I need to get to the trade deadline. They're playing three chump teams, and I'm pretty sure the trade deadline will be coming up by then too. Can I reserve the right though to jump back? on the bandwagon if i want no i mean because nothing oh
3: i mean you want to talk about getting underneath my skin? It's the people out there that are like, well, if you don't stay with them now, all right, when they don't go jumping back on the bandwagon when they're this or that, I'll jump back on the fucking bandwagon whenever I want. Okay, that's what a childhood of investing in a washed-up Vince Ferragamo, Matt Kofler, and Joe fucking Dufek affords you. Okay, <laughs> I can jump on and off the bandwagon whenever I feel like it. But right now I'm off. They ain't winning shit. <laughs> That's
1: <a pretty> poignant <laughs> comments there. Um, you, you feel kind of feel that I, way.
2: I agree with him 100% on the last point. Like yeah. I, like, yeah, no, like you put that much time in. You you can you can come as you go as you please. Kind of gives you I'm a little Detroit fan. That's um, the. I, Say, man, I was like, come talk to me when you win games, then then we'll, <laughs> come on, we'll have a serious discussion. I, kinda, yeah, That was my relationship with the Lions. If it was a Facebook relationship, it'd be, it's complicated for like for years and years. So
1: I kind of wanted yeah. to part of the reason why, why I wanted to play that for you is I know you being a Lions fan who have <laughs> suffered for so many years that you might get a you might a kick out of that. And appreciate that, and I do think that's going to be a lot of bills. Plus, him talking kind of reminding me of you sometimes, like when we kind of not necessarily. Well, we're poking a little bit of fun anyway at some fans. Right. The way they talk, you got kind of to change the tone of your voice when you're imitating how a fan would talk. So anyway, <laughs> that just completely uh, reminded me of uh, something I could see you saying. But anyway, let's. Yeah. Not- <laughs> Let's yeah. I, you know what
2: the 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 I will say about the God ran it reminded me of, of Stevie Johnson back in the day just you oh, know man. he had a bad game and he's like I don't know what God would do this to my hands like that and I'm like you know what I'm with you man I, I hear you like it was taking it in a different direction but it was like okay okay I got you
1: All right, I'm back here with Joe and All right, man. So it's it's time to talk Sabres here. It's it, it's an exciting, um, a lot of fans, I should say, are, are very excited about this team. The team is very excited about themselves, mm-hmm. as they should be. Let's actually start with a little bit of Monday news here as we record this. Been talking about it for a long time. Rasmus Dahlin, it's a done deal now. Eight years, $88 million. He's tied to the Buffalo Sabres through 2031-32 season. Which will put him at thirty-two years old, I think. Yep. Thirty-two years old. So you're getting all of the rest was Darlene Prime you're here, the whole career, man. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting it all here, man. And he is uh, second. He will be the second highest paid defenseman, I think, in the NHL. I read behind Carlson. Um. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Not a surprise. Obviously, you've been talking yep. about this shit for months and months and months. Yep. And now that it's done, the week of the season. Uh, just your 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 brief your general thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. It, I'm happy it's done. So we don't, you know. I think I think we got so caught up with doing all the trading camp stuff that we kind of forgot that we the first like four days of camp were like, what the hell's a contract? Like you guys said, like we've been waiting since July for this. To sure, go. yeah. So you know we kind of parked it and forgot about it. Then you know promptly eight o'clock uh, Monday morning, there's the alert. Eight years, eighty-eight million. I'm like, yeah, no, that's the exact contract. I think everybody was was waiting for it to happen. I, it, it's, yeah. You know, listen, this is. This, this, uh, you know, there, there are some other, you know, hockey, you know, stat heads that are gonna, that are gonna get on me. By the way, this picture that if you, if you're not, if you're listening to this in the podcast, watch, watch the YouTube because I, I think Rasmus is answering my question to him in this picture. I'm not sure. Um, but it's, uh, it's the face is cracking me up. Um, <laughs> there are some, there are some, uh, you know, hockey heads that are just like, don't pay guys as much, which I, okay, fine, whatever, but like, the cap's going up it's going up it's going to be going up over the next few years and you know kevin adams kind of joked about it saying like well agents th- think it's going to go up a lot you know a lot higher and faster than than we think but it's going up and the the, the issue is and I, I it makes me flash back to when pk suban was negotiating with montreal years ago and they had a bit of a uh, difficult negotiation going on but you know he was an rfa and he was playing really well and you're just kind of like just pay the guy just get it done and get a long-term deal done, just get it over with and montreal took the position of like well he still has to prove himself and then he went out and won the norris trophy that season and it came back to him the next summer like okay so about that contract they're like uh fine here's here's what you're asking for so you didn't want to get into that kind of situation because Darlene's already on every voter's radar to begin with. You know, he was on Mm -hmm. it pretty heavily last season. Um, You know, team kind of got in trouble. He got a little banged up. So like the play came back to earth a little bit, but you didn't want to be in the spot to, to negotiate with them then have the cap go up by like, you know, $4 million. And then you're like, Erasmus goes, Oh, that's convenient because now my offer, now what I want is going up by like $2 million a year. So, right, you don't want to get into a spot where like suddenly you're offering them, you know, what the lease gave Austin Matthews, you know, I mean, different position, whatever, fine. But like, you don't want to get into that 12, 13, 14 million dollar stratosphere and like really blow the market up. 11 million for top defensemen. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's the biggest contract uh, in Sabers history. You know, it beats out Jack's Jack's deal from his his eight year, eighty million dollar contract. But are you arguing about it? Like uh, it, this is this is what it, the cost of doing business is. He's he's the number one defenseman. He's freaking great. Um, he leads that room by example. Um, they love him in that room. Like guys, you know, just, guys are just so, uh, are not in awe because they're all professional players. They don't. Nobody gets in awe, but. But even like, you know, we we spoke with uh, Mattia Samuelson uh, after practice today and or on Monday, and he says uh, he's like, you know, the guy just takes care of business, you know, whether he's you know he's dangling all five guys on the ice or he's putting somebody through the you know through the end boards, like, guy just does everything. He does everything and he does it great. So I, hard, I mean, I don't disagree with that. He's he's incredible. It's just. There are so many great defensemen in the NHL that you can get, you can get lost in the woods being like, well, he's not like kale McCarr. He's not like Merrill. He's He's not like this. He's not like Eric Carlson. Like you can do that all day with all these defensemen, but they all are freaking great. And that Darlene was doing like McCarr type stuff last year. Everybody was like, oh yeah, no, he's, he was supposed to be this good to begin with, you know, just had to, travel through the woods, get lost in the woods in the Ralph Kruger woods there for a couple of years and came out on the other side looking like the guy that they thought they drafted at 18. And that's where he is now. So
1: it's everything. Everybody wins. You know, I I could see if like, maybe let's just use an example. Let's just say maybe somebody like Casey Middlestad down the road a little bit. Let's just for Mm -hmm. the sake of discussion, let's pretend he gets a a good deal, a big deal. Mm -hmm. And maybe some fans fans will love it. And some fans will be like, yeah, I, you know, he got, I don't think he's worth this money. He had other guys to worry about, blah, 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 this and that. I can understand that. But with Rasmus Darlene, it's like, if you're complaining about this deal and this contract, like, what are we doing here? What are you doing as a Sabres fan? If this is something that you're complaining about. If anybody earned and and deserves that type of contract that's ever played for this franchise right now, it's, it's Rasmus Darlene, man. I just, uh, I don't, I haven't heard now to be fair too. (laughs) I haven't really heard anybody bitching right. about it. I'm just saying, if you if you are, then I don't even know what you're doing following <laughs> this team, I guess, um, at this point. Other news item, kind of, sort of newsy, even not just something. Or it's something that yeah. I think we've expected with mm-hmm. Zach Benson. Kevin Adams pretty much said on Monday that your boy's made the team, and he's going to set the season off. Well, he's here. <laughs> in Buffalo, yeah, he's made his team. He's going to be here again. Not a surprise. If you listen to this podcast, we've talked about a lot. People, of course, you know, follow you or Lance or, or Rachel. This is not, like I said, this is not something that really should surprise anybody. Right. I did notice though. So for most of, camp in the preseason he skated with tage and with skinner i quote tweeted you on monday we got talking had, about this last week and then don blew it all up <laughs> right before the pittsburgh game he's like here's all these new lines enjoy we're like <laughs> why why do you so so for people who who haven't followed over the, or the last game and uh practice on monday mm-hmm. he's got the old back with tage yep. skinner and Tuck, and now he's got um Benson skating with middle stat in greenway. I, I mm-hmm. guess my question is, and he's looked good no matter who yeah. he's play with, I guess, Benson, you would know far better than me, but that surprised you that he kind of moved those lines. I don't know how I feel about him skating with middle stat in greenway as opposed to, as opposed to in part, because you've talked about how well right. Tuck played with cousins. Mm-hmm. um previously so so what do you think of what Granado's doing with these lines and this is just a couple of days before the season starts though
2: yeah yeah it was it, you know it's funny because we i I think we had asked don about about lines and whatnot and it came up about um uh, you know he just happened like off the cuff mentioned how like you know skinner you know skinner thompson and tuck is just you know you know he's you know i think he said something along it, paraphrasing here but like you know that, that's the easy group to put together because you know it works you know how they play with each you know how they play alongside each other you get it like you know you know it works and you know it works really well so sure you don't need to break that one out in preseason because it's just kind of you know it's kind of dumb uh, and it got me thinking back to last year when all the talk was like, well, you know, we got to we gotta look at some of these other groups. We got to figure this out, you know, and, you know, you had Paterka and Quinn coming in as rookies. So you're just like, well, how's this going to, you know, how are these guys going to fit in there? Had all that kind of discussion going on, and they played with some combinations. And then I think it was, I think it was the same deal right before the last preseason game. He put them back together again. It was like, ah, well, they're going to be together for the next, like, half <laughs> half season, basically. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. And then he, the same thing happens again this year. And I should, I should have been like, you know what? should have realized this was going this was going to happen because that group is too good like they they're one of the best lines in the NHL you don't just you know kind of break them up haphazardly and you know on a whim um, putting Benson with with Greenway and Middlestad is really interesting though um because it's you know and we haven't gotten to look at it too much we saw you know the Pittsburgh game i almost want to throw the whole Pittsburgh game out uh, the last preseason game because it was just such a you know whatever game but Benson did not look out of place He, you know, he was still doing a lot of the same stuff that he was doing, playing alongside Thompson and Skinner. And, you know, that was more of a, for me, that was more like a, let's see what, let's see how Casey handles this. Let's see how, let's see how Greenway handles playing with, you know, with somebody who plays that kind of way. And I'm going to be really interested to see how the matchups work. That's provided. Let's knock on wood here, provided that these lines stay together when they face the Rangers on Thursday night. Uh, I imagine they will, but who knows? We've already seen things get shaken up once before, so who knows? But, um, but I, but but the way Granado talked about Benson today about you know how good he is with the stick and how you know how effective he can be in you know taking the puck away from guys and you know how he just adjusts so well to you know to whoever he's playing with and he makes them play you know he plays makes those groups you know he plays the same way and they play better together so. Um, it's going to be very interesting to watch him. And like you know, listen, he's made the team. If he struggles, they won't hesitate to send him back to junior. Like that's you know, I want people. He gets to know nine
1: that. games, right? Is that what it is? Nine games up to the nine games year?
2: before the contract is is um, kicks in for the year. Because if they send him back before that, the 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 first year of the contract slides to next year. That's you know, funky, you know. First year early or entry level contract rules with the NHL, where if a guy comes up out of junior hockey or wherever first year, like if he comes in and he doesn't, you know, if they're like, "Eh, doesn't look ready yet. Send him back. Then they don't have to worry. Like that doesn't kick in. It's, it's mostly for like, you know, years of service working and you know, how, you know, how soon that next contract gets signed, all that stuff. like, teams that play with that. It, it's like some of the bullshit you've seen in baseball with guys where it's like, Oh, this guy's going to be in the majors. They're like, eh, 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 eh. no, we want to make sure he's, he's with this team until he's 45 before he becomes a free agent. You know, right. it's a little like that with this, but, um, you know, some fans might remember the nonsense they did with Mikhail Grigorenko trying to make sure his did contracted activate and they're trying to send him on, um, conditioning, conditioning stints and he wasn't injured and just, you know, nonsense. But, um, but I mean, this is gonna be a really interesting test because this early part of the schedule is kind of mean. It's kind of mean. You know, you a lot of home Rangers. games early though. There are, which is good. Um, uh, but I mean you open up the Rangers, then you're going down to Long Island to, to play the Islanders. It, it'll be their season opener. Somehow they don't start their season until friggin' Saturday, which right. is nuts. Um, but then you're playing Tampa, you're playing Calgary, you're playing the Islanders again. There's another they play Montreal at home. I know that early Montreal, on. Montreal, so. so yeah. I mean, there's Calgary. There's some interesting yeah, matchups. So yeah. So it's it, it it's good. It you're gonna get a good idea of what he's about, especially the, you know a game against Tampa and the like. Islanders play hard. They play annoying. So it's you know a couple of games with the, with those guys is gonna tell you a lot about like where he is discipline wise. And discipline's a fun word to use with him because uh, he took a couple of penalties like during the preseason. I think it was the game down in Pittsburgh where it turned into turn in a little bit of messy situation with the PK or whatever. But, um, but I want to see, you know, how he's able to adjust to like full-time NHL speed against NHL players, as opposed to a mishmash of AHL NHL guys.
1: Let me, uh, and by the way, when I, before I asked you that question, I misspoke. I'm an idiot. Talk. I, I, I mentioned him playing with cousins is actually middle stat that he looked right. good playing with, not cousins. Cousins was playing with Quinn and Paterka, of course, last year. And that line was uh. A lot of fun. More on that line in just a second, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so obviously, Benson is the best story of camp. The mm-hmm. biggest surprise. You see a scenario where, like, Savoy's on the team, but he's going to start on IR. First of all, let mm-hmm. me ask you this. You have any idea physically, like, how far off he may be from being able to play? Like, let's just say the Sabres, for whatever reason, again, it's just pure speculation, but the Sabres want to use him in their lineup. Like, mm-hmm. how far away is he from being able to play in an NHL game? Or let's even say an AHL game, and I know he. You know, I know that's all. Yeah, that's a a whole thing. Right, right, right. But like, how far off is he? I know he's starting to skate with the team. You have any clue at this point how close he is to being able to play? Uh,
2: We should probably have asked uh, coaches, coaches and Adams about that just to get an idea of like what kind of timetable um, they're working on with that because he just came back to to practice last week. Um, So we don't know the extent. He did mention it was a shoulder injury, so we we know that much um we don't know what the extent of that was or like what what the deal was so we don't re- there's not really an idea of like how to spitball you know how far along or not he is he skated the whole time that he had it like right? you know he was he was doing all like the you know the skating drills and everything so like he's legs are in shape and everything and he you know he didn't miss any workouts or anything that's like he was doing all the right things so that's good sure. but, um as far as like return to game action uh tough to say i i would probably pin I would probably pin it like sometime within the next 2 weeks um just to be absolutely safe but usually if in a lot of situations when the you know the guy's not a rookie he's like a veteran guy but you know once they get back to practice it's usually within a week or so when they're ready to go for for game action but he got no preseason games and going from going from playing you know playing in development camp to playing in the you know two games of the Prospects Challenge to NHL games is a that's a big step up now they could send him for conditioning uh, and he did have a legit injury so like they could send him down for a couple weeks for conditioning I don't see the league having a problem with that Um, I tried to read through the legalese and the CBA to see if there was anything you know funky with guys in their first year contracts to do that or you know whatever but it's basically up to the league to say like yeah I know the guy was hurt like send him back he's on your he made your team so you know whatever he's good but Um, but there are some decisions to come up here. Like if Benson shows flat out, like he's, he's here to stay all season long, that could take away an option for Savoy just because that's the easy move is like, "Eh," well, he doesn't look ready, send him back, slide Savoy into that spot, see how he does. And then you're just kind of pushing that decision with him. And whether or not you want to get into a fight with uh, the CHL and the A, you know, and, and the NHL about like you know should he actually be in the a- in, should he go to Rochester, can he go to Rochester, or do you just send him back to the WHL and forget about him until April? But it's that I think that's a fight they don't want to, they don't want to get the answer to just yet. Right, they want to see where he's at and see you know see what kind of options they can play with with him still.
1: Let me uh, let me ask you a couple more questions here regarding the Sabres. Obviously again, Benson, the fun story, the the highlight of the preseason and training camp for sure. And obviously, you know, the Sabres season about to start, there's a lot of optimism, not just in Buffalo, around the league. A lot of people are pretty high on the Sabres as a team to to watch out for. That's mm-hmm. fine and Danny, but this is not a team without concerns, that's for sure. One of them, I want I want to get your opinion on the defensive combinations that you've seen through camp Mm -hmm. in the preseason. Again, I haven't, I don't follow the the team to any extent towards like what, how you cover this team. But like, for an example, Connor Clifton, I hear a lot of good things about him, Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a lot of good things from him. At least with my own, maybe semi uneducated eyes uh, through the preseason. He's going to start the season, I believe with Darlene. Uh, How are you feeling about these combinations right now? You just look at me like, oh, maybe he's Mm -hmm. not. Is he Mm -hmm. not? Uh, they ran out some new pairs on Monday uh, Monday morning. Speak to uh, me. Not so, either.
2: so, uh, they reunited uh, Daleen with Samuelson, uh, which was the, their main, their top pair for what 95 percent. Okay, of whenever, whenever Samuelson w- was in the lineup, he was probably with Daleen. So, they put those two back together again. Power stayed with Yoki Haru. Uh, and then you had Eric Johnson with with Connor Clifton okay. on the third pair with Jacob Bryson just kind of cycling his way in because Bryson's made the team something a lot of fans on Twitter were not very happy about uh, when I put that out there. Uh, so you know whatever whatever to that I thought Bryson's played well so whatever. But um, but Johnson and Clifton I think they both may have gotten maybe two preseason games and Clifton I don't think Clifton came in until like the last two um in that, okay. you know, in that second week. I don't think he played any in the first the first week. I think the same goes for Johnson. They're both veteran players. Johnson obviously much more of a veteran than Clifton. Um but they kind of needed to get used to like how to how to do things with with uh, with new partners. And Clifton with Darlene was just kind of I don't know it was a little messy uh the, in the two games they played together. So you don't want to start the game you start the season off with a couple of guys where you're like oh boy that's Right. Let's keep our let's keep our eyes on this and then adjust on the fly. I think you want to be ready for it. Now, will they? Will will these trios? Will this? Will these pairings stay together? Uh, you know, until Thursday? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But um, feels yeah, like yes. It feels like yes. Um, but I think it's going to be the, their way to kind of ease those, ease the other, t- ease Johnson and ease uh, Clifton into how they're doing things and how things go because. Um, you're gonna, I mean your, your top two pairs are gonna play the most minutes, period, anyways. But I think they want to kind of get get these guys more into a, a feel and get an idea of like how things play out in front of them before really kind of tinkering with things and, and and messing around with stuff because um the way it looked in preseason wasn't looking very hot <laughs> in general. I'll be very honest. But um, yeah, it was yeah, a little bit of a change today. So I'm gonna be a little curious to to maybe you know today was a little bit too busy to be picking brains about pairings or whatever. And besides, sure. maybe they run out a, a whole new set on Tuesday morning, and then it's like, well, forget it. So um, but yeah, it, was, it was a little bit interesting to see like the two new guys on a pair together. And what's extra funny is that <laughs> I was joking today that a lot of our defensive stories just got all blown up today because of this. Because we we're remarking about how it was lefty lefty shot with a righty shot on each pair. It was like, Oh, okay, nice. And then you had Lefty D- Darlene with Lefty Samuelson, and then Righty Johnson with Ray- Righty Clifton on the third pair. But like, you know what? Just forget it. Let's just never write anything ever again. We'll just, you know, just, just whatever. Eat Arby's. You know, it's like that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> you uh, you talked about that on the show last week, actually. I remember talking about Lefty Righty uh <laughs> yeah. pairings. I don't know. I, I just know that Darlene and Samuelson looked pretty good together last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm good with that. Another guy, Olsen. I I mean, God, it sounds like a broken record having to talk about this guy, but he said for a prominent role on this team for now anyway. I mean, he's skating on a line with cousins in, in Baturka. He looks, yeah. he's your Jack Quinn filling essentially. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. Why, Cause I feel like I've asked you the same question, like a million yeah. times with Olafson. I don't love it. I, I don't, I i just, mm-hmm. I, I don't love it. I don't see how he's going to change and what's going to be different about him than what we've seen. This is where I'm like, well, you know, maybe if Savoy gets better and Olafson's just not, it, man. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they figure out something. I just, I, I don't like that line. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there, man. I, I don't like, I love that line. I don't like Olsen on that line. So let me rephrase that a little I, bit.
2: I, I think you're one of, of, of about 98% of Sabres fans <laughs> that say the same thing. They're just like, I and it's it's all because of Olafson. It's not Cousins. It's not Paterka. It's Olafson that drives the fans crazy because, you know, for whatever reasons, it's just, you know, they're over him. And I get it. Like, you know, this is probably going to be his last, se- this is, I would bet anything. It's probably going to be his last season in Buffalo. If he's even, if he's here for the full season, I would be kind of surprised. Um, I was even saying this last year that, you know, maybe they just trade him, you know, with the deadline. Cause they know they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to resign him in a year or whatever, but um, you know, and even over the summer, I think we were just kind of like waiting for that trade to happen. And then, and then that never happened. I think, also because of Quinn getting injured, that that's what kind of put right. put the brakes on that. But um, I, I, I think you know again, preseason is there. There needs to be a better preseason pledge that I like. Jerry White's great with the preseason pledge for the NFL. I need to come up with a better one than it's preseason for everybody in the in the NHL because. Your lying eyes can tell you a lot of stories in the NHL preseason because you can think like, oh, man, this guy's going to be really good this year. And then the second the games count and that you're getting the full NHL lineups disappear, gone. Like it's it's like, you know, it, the preseason never happened. Olafson for me, has played a better a better version of of his game. Now, you know, the Columbus game, uh, the last Columbus game, the one in Ohio. It had one of a cl- a classic last season Olsson shift in it, whereas, like, you know, you know, kind of, you know, mishandled the puck and then suddenly they're hemmed in their zone for the next minute and a half and, you know, stuff happens. And it's like, well, that's not great. But um, I've seen a guy who's a little bit more committed to playing, you know, as a line with his guys, you know, being better on the forecheck, doing all like the, the little things that they've asked him to do better. And I think he's done that. But again, it's preseason. Uh, he got a lot of games, so they got a lot of looks at him to understand like where he's at and you know how things are going to go. And they this line with him with with him with Cousins and Paturka has been together basically all all camp. Yeah, this is what they're running with. This is you know this is what they you know they want to get that right. And you know for me, Paturka poised for a big season. I think Cousins is going to have another is going to have another step forward with his with how good he's been. But it's and that's going to be. You know, a lot of that kind of hinges on him, you know, playing together, you know, play, you know, the, their whole buzzword from a few years ago, you know, play connected. He's got to be connected with those guys and helping them out. And if he doesn't, that line's going to struggle. Like It's without a doubt, they're going to struggle because Cousins and, and Paterka can forecheck pretty well. Paterka, you know, you got to keep them a little bit on the rails a little bit. But I mean, Cousins is just a is a dog out there, man. He's awesome. He's 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 so good. But if Victor's not, you know, Victor's like squeezing the stick and trying to force goals to happen and, you know, not keeping it together, they're going to have a hard time. And then you're going to have, you're going to be looking at it and going like, okay, well, how do we, how do you fix this? You know, where do you go from here? And well, I mean, you have guys in the minors, you have, you know, as long as Savoy's around, I guess you could, you know, you could plug him into there, but you're kind of running short on options of guys to, to to kind of play with that. Then you're talking about putting maybe middle stat on that line or, you know, just getting whoever Benson, I don't know. Like you're, you're asking a lot of other guys if
1: Victor doesn't have it together. So he's got to He's got to have it together. It's a contract year for him. So he's got to want it. I feel like Victor Olveson is poised to be in the press box. And I, and I feel like um, Tyson Jones is poised to get in that his lineup there because he's going to start the season as a 13 forward. Mm-hmm. It seems right. I mean, you go through these line combinations and for now, and again, things change quickly in the NHL. Yeah. I get it, but for now, Joe seems to be. Is Joe's capable of playing on that line and just switching those two out, or if Joe has to come in and there's not an injury involved? Let's mm-hmm. say you're going to pull Olsson off for whatever reason, does it become a lot of line juggling because of that?
2: Uh I don't think they want to do a ton of line juggling. I think Joe's is the guy that will that would slot in there. Um, but it gives them somebody who plays the game more a little bit more on the rails, like a little less freelance, a little less, you know, worried about score, trying to score, you know, it's right. Um He is a lot more mindful defensively uh, for check wise and all that stuff. Uh, so that's good. Um, But you're I mean, you're going to lose a little bit of offense, but I mean, you know, if you're in a, if they're in a spot where Victor's kind of a net negative offensive, you know, apart from like the, you know, the, you know, the goals here and there or on the power play you know at, at that point you're you, you might be looking at it where you, you start digging into the fancy stats and then if you see Jost is really you know able to hold it together while Olsen is kind of bringing everybody down then you know you're just like whatever like we might not get the goals but we're going to get more from the other two guys if this guy's out there with him instead
1: um well get well soon Jack when i guess <laughs> and um i'd <laughs> like to see Zavoy get a crack at some point but again i'm it's fun to watch the young players play but i really don't give a mm-hmm. shit if it's a young player or a veteran i'm I'm looking for uh guys who are gonna help this team win now because I'm tired of looking into the futures and I yeah. want that. I'm kinda locked in on the present. <laughs> We've talked about it before, by the way. Potential opening if Olis is not working out. Um number eighty eight. You, <laughs> yes. you know what I'm talking yeah. about.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't want to say his name, <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, like it's like Beetlejuice.
2: It. You say it three times. He's, he's suddenly on your roster and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs>
1: what, what do we do? <laughs> no, so, 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 so Devin Levi, he gave up seven goals on le- yeah. last Friday. Yeah, whatever. Scale one to 10. That's a zero, right? In terms of concern that that means zero. Correct.
2: Yeah. I, it, it's, it's like what I mentioned before about how that game played out. It was it was it was twenty twenty guys that were the gym class all stars for a night that yeah. decided they were gonna try really hard against a team that was just kind of like, hey man, don't get hurt. <laughs> right. I <laughs> get know? It. like they got in the offensive zone and then they were like, hey, let's try to score some goals. And in the DN it was just like, Yeah, whatever, man. We're not we're not gonna I... fight tooth and nail with these guys unless you Know it's Peyton Krebs fighting Sidney Crosby because I saw that, friend. yeah, yeah,
1: good for him, man. good, <laughs> good, good for Peyton. But all right, so uh, on Monday, last thing here, too, Kevin Adams, he, he spoke to you guys and girls in the media, but mm-hmm. and I didn't hear the press, I saw a couple of highlights on Twitter. They're keeping mm-hmm. three goalies for now, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. They already sent Stillman and Byron down, who, by the way, both cleared waivers and Clay, yep. too, so they all cleared waivers. Maybe a mild surprise that they all cleared waivers. It, let bit. me ask you that: Is that a little bit of a little bit of a surprise? At least not like a significant one, but a little bit of a surprise that they all cleared. It's yeah. a little.
2: It's a little bit. I mean, we just had a huge waiver day on Sunday, and I think four guys got claimed Monday. Monday afternoon, like that stuff just happened before we, before, you know, before we got really going with the pie. Right. But, um, but only four guys got claimed. And one of them was a guy who got waived earlier in the, in the preseason. So his old team grabbed him back because the team uh-huh. that picked him up before was like, eh, we don't want you. And so the other team was like, whatever, you're coming with us and you're going to our minor league team. So, <laughs> uh-huh. um, so yeah, so I, but the, the, you can get away with a lot in the preseason on waivers just because everybody's trying to figure out the frigging roster. Sure. and And so many teams are pressed up against the cap that, you know, Unless somebody unless somebody on waivers that they've scouted at some point during the preseason, which you know, the scouts are still doing work, unless they see that guy and he he's like, Well, this guy's way better than what we got. We, you know, if they wave him, grab him. But that yep. teams are so busy with what they've got on you know under their own roof that they're you know, unless it's something where, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a GM or somebody knew a guy from before where it's like, I know this guy will play better than what we've got. Get him. But it's not a it's not a huge surprise. It's it's so much of the salary stuff, and then just teams just jockeying their own their own roster and figuring yeah. that.
1: out. Right. All right. Well, my my question, I guess, was if Kevin Adams spoke about keeping three goalies for now and then. My question for you is, this is going to be short lived, I w- I would think, because don't you think it's important if Devin Levi's your number one, and he is your number one going into the season? Whoever that number two is going to be, whether it's UPL or whether it's Comrie. And let's say Devin plays six and a half to seven out of 10 games. Mm-hmm. Don't you want your number two, having some sort of groove where he's playing at least semi regularly, because mm-hmm. if you're keeping three guys and you're going, you know, based on matchup, what is common going to play once every 11, 12 games or UPL play once yeah. every 11, 12 games If Devin plays five or six, and then your backups playing the next one. And that, that guy's out of the rotation. Like how are you going to get it a groove? If you're going to keep three goalies, if, you're playing once every eight to twelve games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: it's really hard. It's really hard, and it's really hard in the in the rotations in practice too, because you, there's still only two nets in practice, and your number one guy's got to have a net to himself most times, unless he needs sure. a break. But the other two guys are going to be splitting reps in practice, and then you're talking about those two guys fighting over what you know, maybe three or four starts out of every ten. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's really hard. We. Saw it last season, man. None of the like. I mean, granted, there there were other factors. You know, Anderson with the you know needing the rest and all that stuff. That was a big factor. But, um, but it might end up playing out the same because, yeah, you want Devin to play games. You want him to play more games than the other guys, obviously. But. Sure you got to get in a groove too. And, you know, it's a rookie, you know, Levi's still a rookie. Like if you know, the, there's going to be bumps in the road, there's going to be struggles, you know, there's going to be some games that are like that, you know, like that Pittsburgh game. Granted, you know, it's a little more troubling when it's, you know, the actual NHL team putting in the full NHL effort. Um, but we saw that last, the the the, uh, the game in Detroit last season was kind of a mess. Team played kind of sloppy in front of him. Game went to a shootout. Now, Levi made about nine or 10 <laughs> unbelievable saves in that game still gave up, you know, 5 6 goals whatever it was and you know, you're going to have those games if the you know, if the defense doesn't lock it down in front of you and that's you know, it's it's the full team effort type thing but you want your backup to be able to play like 30 games, 30 35 games maybe and um if you got two guys splitting it for all, you know, for the whole season, it's not ideal because then those guys are splitting 30 or 35 games and then they're only playing 15 16 games and you're right like, you know, you and you're kind of playing a little Russian roulette with it on the back, you know, when they're coming in to play a game because they're not coming in hot, that's for sure. They're coming in cold after, you know, having watched the last two games. So, I mean, Adams talked about it a little bit today. I, I don't know if Don did a little bit. It was, more, it was more of an Adams question because you're keeping three goalies. And I think, you know, based on preseason, I mean, Comrie's, Comrie's the number two, but. Uh, you know, I, I think if they had full trust in either of those guys or that Devin was going to be able to play like 65 games, you'd say like, eh, whatever. We can live with it because even like, you know, like a guy like Igor Shostakovich and with the Rangers so good. But like if you even if you force a guy like that to play a ton of games, it's going to wear on him. Like it's yeah. you know, you're going to run into it. Vasilevsky had it happen with him, too. He played 60 65 games and then in the playoffs the first few games stink and you're like Jesus okay So top guy top guy's got to be fresh and ready and that's the spot they're in because you need Levi to be you know ready but also like he's he's gotta be dealing with it <laughs> you know yeah. like it's a rookie finding his way it's now he's got the metal makeup to do it but still you gotta do it and yeah. the I, I i there's a reason why teams carry two goalies all the time And it's because it's just easier to manage the rotations and whatnot. Like that's that there's also, it can't be coincidence. There are like four or five teams that are keeping three goalies on the roster to start the year. Three of them are in the Atlantic division. Why? Tampa Bay just lost their number one guy for the next two months with back surgery. You're going to hand out a free goalie to the team in your division. Right. <laughs> no, you're not gonna put a guy that like because they're thinking we only need a guy that's gonna be able to kind of carry the weight for us for a couple months until the other guy gets back. Are you gonna hand him a freebie to like kind of maybe beat your face in for, <laughs> for two months while you're trying to get get points on them? No shot, man. No yeah. shot. And you know, you're not gonna hand out a free comry if you're Detroit. You're not gonna hand out um, who is it? It's uh Caden Primo in Montreal or Alex Lyon in Detroit. Like you're just not handing these guys out, you're just not gonna give Tampa Bay a freebie. Because you know you can't get your roster figured out, like that's you're just not doing it. So it's it's a little bit of that action, but I think regardless of whether Tampa needed a guy or not, Buffalo was keeping three guys. I just uh, it's just, they haven't nothing's nothing got settled, and they haven't forced it to be settled. So they're they're just that's just where they are.
1: Well, I don't have a preference on who the number two is going to be. Uh, I will trust Granado and Adams to make that decision, and whether it's comedy or the UPL. Whoever it is, I hope they can make a trade for somebody. The only thing I could say why well, I would understand keeping three is they got a rookie goaltender who played a little bit last year, but he basically still coming straight from college. And I was going to be a rookie number one goalie in the league. If something happens to him physically, if for whatever reason, it just becomes a disaster, which I don't see happening, but mm-hmm. just saying then I guess it would make a point to, to have three goalies. Let's yeah. wrap up because this is a Sabres preview episode. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. And I'm not going to make it easy either. Listen, Good. I, I could ask you the ceiling and you tell me the ceiling is the Sabres can make the playoffs. I for sure. Here's the question. Not can the Sabres make the playoffs and I might save this clip for next March <laughs> or April or whatever. Both of us. <laughs> okay. Will the Sabres make the playoffs? Not can they, I know they can. Um, and it's very easily that they, that they don't do. And the drop would continue, but, I'm putting prediction time on, you know, mm-hmm. is this team going to make the playoffs? Am I going to be getting you on for a guest spot while the Buffalo Sabres are in the playoffs? I probably wouldn't be able to because you'd be too busy. But yeah. let's just hypothetically pretend that they are. Mm-hmm. Are the Sabres making the playoffs? That's my question for you.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I I believe they are. This, te- this team's been trending up for two years. And these guys are another year experienced, another year
1: Uh, I think I just lost. I, I, I think Joe just got frozen up on me. Anyway, that's how we're going to end this podcast. Um, I've I'm, I'm kind of laugh because the screen is uh, frozen here with Joe. But anyway, I think uh, Joe says, yes, the Sabres are going to make the playoffs. I'm i uh, I'm a homer, man. So I'm i am going to have to agree with him. But anyway, I thank you very much for joining this episode. And by the way, thanks, of course, to Joe Yurden got frozen up there at the very end. But he did get a yes in. So I'll be able to hold him to that. Tomorrow I'll be on. I'm breaking down the Bills game film and the PFF grades. I'll analyze those and uh, that'll be tomorrow's show. So talk to you then.